You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to Heritage Voices, episode 77. I'm Jessica Yuquinto, and I'm your host. And today we are talking about Eshtok Gana Somisike, the human beings of Texas. Before we begin, I'd like to honor and acknowledge that the lands I'm recording on today are part of the Nuch, or Ute People's Treaty Lands, the Dineta, and the Ancestral Puebloan Homeland. And today we have Chairman Juan Mancias on the show. And Chairman, if you'd like to introduce yourself. My name is uh, Juan Mancias, uh, Juan Benito Mancias. I'm named after both my grandfathers. Just because my name is Spanish doesn't you know, necessarily make me Mexican national. I was born in Texas and so were like seven other generations before me from New Mexico to, to Texas. And uh, so that's, um, and you can just call me Juan. <laughs> so <laughs> I graduated from uh, one of the worst schools that I think for the fossil fuels at Texas Tech University and um, degree in political science. And I also have a certification from Incarnate Word. University in San Antonio, and a lot of the, of what I've done, and mostly in behavioral studies, and uh, worked a lot with archaeologists and anthropologists, and looking at uh, sociology. Um, Twelve hours from getting my master's, and uh, which I think sometimes, in my own way, I think it's futile because unless you got the paper, nobody wants to listen to you. But what, I'm, what I have to say is that it comes from a, a lot from uh, oral histories and my own research of almost like 38 years of research for, um, you know, trying to, to validate my grandfather's words, my grandmother's words, and uh, trying to relocate the lands that um, were ours along the Rio Grande and all the way up into into the canyons of, of uh, the, the panhandle. Uh, there's um, uh, even a place up in Colorado in El, El Campo or Campo called Carrizo Canyon. So, I mean, that says a lot. And, and some of the research that's, that I've done and other people's have done, which a lot of times has been done by non-natives and been done by people who are not really... Uh, aware of, of the presence of the native people in Texas. Because the, the longest time I would tell them that I was a native from a uh, native original person of Texas, they would tell me I, uh, they didn't know that there were any Indians in Texas. And it's funny, it's funny <laughs> that, that we hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm at, at a point where I need to um, just, make sure that the history is being told correctly because it's been romanticized a lot by those who have discovered that they do have indi- in some indigeneity in, them, in their bloodline. And so I work on trying to make sure that everybody understands the sacred sites and the history. There's just not one sacred site and it's not just in one place. A lot of those sacred sites were destroyed and, and misnamed like Devil's River and, and the Devil's Watering Hole. And they named them because they were sacred to us. And, of course, they consider us to be the, the wild Indians of Texas and because we didn't stay in, in the missions. They displaced a lot, of, a lot of tribes out of Mexico. 
and brought them in here. And um, we're not Coahuila Deccan speakers. Uh, this is part of my my uh, disclaimer to doing a bio about myself, that we're not Coahuila Deccan speakers. So I just want to let you know that I, I have done a, a extensive research, research on a lot of this thing. We do have the information and the documents romanticizing a lot of the stuff that, that it's been romanticized in the past. Uh, as far as I know, you know, we've always been for the human beings and we stood our ground for almost a year and a half. We occupied some land down in South Texas, protect a, a grave site and um, literally um, took a while to make people realize that there had been 28 laws that had been abolished by um, the Homeland Security to build the wall. Those laws are still, are still waived. They're, they haven't been rescinded. And I think that they're taking advantage of them in, so, in, some, of the, in some of the counties for uh, some of the so-called science that's going on there and some of the gentrification that's been going on. But there are stories uh, about those areas and uh, uh, and I think it's just a matter of trying to get the history together for what's going on. But when they waived uh, 28 of the environmental law, well, 26 of the environmental laws, and then they waived uh, the Native American Grace Protection Repatriation Act and also the um, American Indian Religious Freedom Act, it uh, put us in a very strange position of trying to protect the lands. And and I believe in protecting the lands is how we're going to abolish the whole mentality of tribal erasure of this country through, you know, blood quantum and through all of that. And it's the only way we can do it is maintaining our teachings. And if you don't know those sacred sites, you may not know the teachings. And if you don't know your language, you may not know the sacred sites. So um, that's who I am. Uh, that's a little too long, too, still, but uh, for a bio. <laughs> But there's a lot more to go. There's just so much more. Yeah, you got us started on lots of topics. I also just want to throw in here a thank you to Ann Cuss of the World Monuments Fund who connected us. Yes. Uh, World Monuments Fund added Garcia Pasture, which we'll be talking about, to the 2022 World Monuments Watch. So yeah, so very excited to have you on the show. You know, Anne has been talking about having you on for, for quite a while now. So I'm glad that we're, we're finally connected. Yes, Thank you. I, I've had to uh, jump a lot of hurdles just to to be able to bring some of these stories to light and and not feel like I'm romanticizing the culture in any way because I I feel like even people of their own of their own tribal descent have a have a tendency to appropriate their own culture and there's always some sort of a traditional manner of dealing with our with our decision making. And uh, a lot of times people have a hard time with traditional councils, you know, and that's been the fact all along. Yeah. So I guess to get us started, since there's there's so many different directions we could go, so many interesting things to talk about. But let's start with how you got into this type of work and these efforts. I'm sure it's a, a longer journey, you know, since you're tribal chairman. But yeah, we'll, we'll start there and you can you can go with that where you think is best. I started it, I don't know, maybe when I was just like really 
at six months years old, six months. I mean, they say that they were singing songs to me. My grandma would bring some of the elders to sing songs to me when I was six months old. And I think a lot of that kind of hung on to me and stayed with me. But I think the biggest part of it is watching how how distant the civil rights movement was for me when growing up, watching it on TV, that it seemed like it was a totally different other land because we were so, in some, we were economically despaired from what was going on and, and traveling. And I was, I was just a, the son of, of a mom who, who had come from a large family who were migrants and from a father who was uh, a cowboy working the ranches in South Texas. And my dad was uh, deaf, and he lost his hearing uh, from an accident he had. That was a year and a half. So um, knowing that and knowing that my dad was such an um, ambitious person and my mom uh, was there for him oh, just about all the time, it, it helped a little bit. Not saying that they were the, you know, the perfect people, but you know they were they were good people, and they helped a lot of people and gave them homes and stuff. and And I recognized that there was a a trend that was going on, and I started asking questions uh, of of them and my grandfather and my grandmother. So a lot of that, a lot of that, I started recording, and I think that's once I got into got out of high school. Got into college, I decided I was going to try and discredit a lot of those stories to see if they were true. And finding out that they were all true, it just took a lot, a lot, a lot of time. Like the whole story about my grandfather telling us to go and get our lands back uh, done in around the in Peñitas, which is in Hidalgo County, and then finding out that that land ran on both sides of the river. That they he didn't. They didn't understand that that process of visas and all that and green cards. But he was born uh, on this side of the river, and so was my grandma, because Brownsville used to not be called Brownsville until after it became a state. And that's the same thing with a lot of the, the cities that are on, on the United States side now. They used to have the same names, like Reynosa was called Reynosa, and Matamoros was called Matamoros on both sides. Just like Laredo is called Laredo and then Nuevo Laredo on the other side. And, of course, I, I started looking into this because in eight, 1920, I believe, uh, they changed the whole uh, the city of uh, what used to be called Carrizo down there and, and changed it to Zapata, Texas, after Antonio Zapata, who was the first, well, he was he was the Zapatista that we have, you know, down up in the river. He fought under the flag of the Republic of the Rio Grande, which later was deemed treasonous by the by the Texas government, and their lands taken away because of that. But there were three hundred of our warriors that fought in that that we know of, that is documented, and of course. Um, Antonio Zapata being one of the guys that was um, was also Carrizo. He was a, they called him Greasy Hat, so because he wore the same hat and it was, he had a lot of uh, from sweating on it. It's those kind of things that started making making me realize that there had, there was something there, 
And then I started realizing that they were changing names to accommodate the settl- the settler mentality, the colonizer mentality. And, and our own people were also losing a lot of their culture because of um, the um, oppression of the language of Spanish and which was the first oppressive language to us. And there was a lot of history there. There's, um, there's evidence up around Lake, Lake Ellen Henry, which is also a place where the picture of the Mothman, the Mothman is at, which connects us to some of the prophecies that are even ongoing today. There's a picture of a, um, one of the missions where they were cutting off the feet and the hands of my ancestors to convert them or to get rid of them so they get out of the way so they could get it at the environment. And that's exactly what they continue to do today with their sacrifice zones that they're setting up. It's not a document. That's our documents. Those are our files. That is our Bible. And of course, you know, because of people looking at us as not knowing anything, they have a lot to learn about our science and how we survived and they found they would always find ways of demeaning us in in Texas, and that's why when the compression of um, pushing a lot of the tribes toward the plains, and uh, and even through the Trail of Tears, the long walk, while trying to relocate the tribes just like they had done before with some of our young people, uh, when they came in and separated the families by stealing the children and taking them to Mexico and teaching them Spanish and 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 Nahua, which is the the language of the people in Mexico City, they would bring them back as interpreters. And of course, uh, we found it really hard to accept them back in. Uh, they took they would take them at when they were five or six years old. At the age of fifteen, they bring them back. You know, so you're looking at a ten year difference there. And a lot of the people had already moved on and and uh, moved away from the areas, but they could speak the language. So that was um, that was one of those um, things that we had to uh, understand that was happening to our people on this side of the river. But now, you know, with the col- the colonization of the Howard the Wheeler Howard Act of 1934, even a lot of our people uh, distinguish Mexican Indian or American Indian. So that we buy into the colonization and the set, the settler mentality and 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 kind of discredit that ideals like those guys down there they have they have no ceremonies you know <laughs> but we were we were like the buffer zone of what was happening further south and further north if you look up history you'll find that the Carrizo and Come Cruz which is us the Estocna, were the people of the of the land and uh, we were the people that um lived on the peyote grounds, and which is another big factor in our probably, you know, survival is trying to protect those lands and knowing that this land, the land is sacred because the medicine grows there. So that's, that's uh, how I got into all of this, realizing the research that I had done myself just to make sure that the, our future generations understood that there's a history here and that history is important. It can't be erased in any way. And they're trying very hard to erase it so they can continue 
taking the resources of this land because 530 years ago, that's uh, how long it's been now since this genocide's been going on in the Americas. And uh, they came here to take all the resources. So they took all the gold and took the silver, took whatever riches they could and took them overseas. They exported them to Europe and the kings and queens and the barons and lords, they all got their, 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 you know, they, they got their riches. And here we are 530 years later and the same thing is still happening. We're still exporting the resources, the rich resources of this land overseas. And now what, with these resources, it's really hampering human life and the environment. And it's not a question of, uh, of us protesting, and it's not a question of us lobbying. It's a question of us protecting what we have. And uh, it's not because we own the land. We, we, we don't own the land. It's that the land owns us, and we have to learn to respect that land that way. And this is why I do what I do. And, uh, and it gets rather exhausting, but <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a question of, truly decolonizing ourselves from being puppet governments to to a, a larger government that uh, doesn't, doesn't really recognize or want to recognize, even if you are federally recognized, those tribes, because we have no say. We have no representation in this government, and um, we're not the ones writing the laws. We didn't write the Constitution. So there's there's always that those things that People don't recognize the fact that we were never rep- represented. That we were, we were the uh, people that were being sacrificed for the riches of, of a few of uh, the plantation mentality that exists even today. There's still a plantation mentality with the the uh, the whole thing with oh well, we don't want to you know pay mi- minimum wage. We don't want to be. There's uh, no economic disparity. Uh, we we want to be equitable, and uh, I mean, it used to be we want to be equal. Now they're using the word word equitable. Equitable means to be fair, and and they define what's fair, and that's one of the reasons that I'm still in here. And that's why I'm I want to change the narrative. Uh, I have a, a hashtag that I use a lot that says "Change the narrative." Hashtag change the narrative because um, uh, when they passed the no protest law here in Texas. I was there when they were voting on it and disrupted the vote. And and basically because I don't believe that their idea of critical infrastructure is their derricks, their oil wells and, you know, their terminals, their LNG terminals or their oil terminals or their petrochem plants uh, I don't think, or the pipelines. I don't think that's critical infrastructure. Critical infrastructure is that the water, the air, and the land. And the thing that they're doing is, you know, they're they're charging for all of that. Some people are talking about water security because, I mean, now they want to desalinate the ocean, take more water. And um, why? So they can continue to, you know, damage the damage the planet that we live on. And then you got their scientists going around saying, well, we can go always go to Mars and invade it. I don't care what life forms there are. That's what Elon Musk said. 
They better watch out because we're coming. And that's exactly what they did here 530 years ago. They came in here with a doctrine of discovery and they threw it in our faces and said, you guys don't believe like we do. You don't look like I do. So we're going to get rid of you. And that mentality is still there. You can see it in all the um, the racism that, that, that still occurs in the South and especially right now along along the wall. And with the LNGs that they're trying to put up in Cameron County, you can see it with the people that, that favor their, their Spaniard blood more than they do their native blood of these lands because they've been led to believe that, you know, being native is, you know, is not human. It's not godlike, whatever God they believe in. And that makes it, that makes it really difficult for, um, for who we are and trying to maintain our own traditions, maintain our own uh, way of life. Cause, um, even though there's an American Indian Religious Freedom Act, uh, they had us buying into the whole thing that our way was a religion, but it was a way of life. We lived that way. We had to learn to live with nature. So Chairman Mencius was really on a roll during this conversation, talking about so many important different things, and I didn't want to cut him off. So these breaks, this is going to be the first break, and you'll notice that the conversation just flows right back in right after the break because he was still talking. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. And jumping right back into uh, where Chairman Mencius left off. There's a, a YouTube channel that, that was a um, documentary that was uh, directed by Carolina Callecedo and David De La Rosas. Uh, from Colombia, and uh, it's called Teaching of the Hands, and I narrated it, and it's one of our teachings about the about what what the hand means and what you can see in your hand, because it, it's a ba- it's a science and it's a mathematical sequence of things that that can that can happen. The misinterpretations of a lot of our paintings, the New Age Indians that have are trying to reclaim their their own blood without any teachings because DNA doesn't carry the teachings. It only carries the, that concentration of DNA, but doesn't give you the teachings. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know what, what nation you come from. And that's one of the problems that we're running into with the more conservative mentality of, of people wanting to, um, to be uh, indigenous and, I struggle with the word indigenous, but uh, again, it's a catch-all term. That's why we prefer to call ourselves a Stokna, because we are the um, the human beings of Somisak, and that means that we are from this we are from this land, and uh, the evidence is there, the paintings are there, and you can only interpret them if you know our language. Like the where we have the unification of the arrows dance, it's it's on. The, some of the medicine wheels you find 
denote our, our harvest dance. And all of that is painted on the walls. The solstice site, and the, heart, the equinox site at Paint Rock, you know, everybody's trying to claim now it before nobody claimed it. And I've been going out there for years. My grandfather would stop by there and drop tobacco and that I know of. Because we, I, we, I would ask the questions, why were we doing this? They knew all the plants. I remember getting waterlogged while we were out there hoeing cotton and uh, him handing me, you know, say uh, the artesimia, which is the white, the white sage from this area. And uh, let me smell it, and I was fine afterwards. But see, these things are all dying, and it's because of the contamination of the pollutants in the air. So that's why I'm here. Uh, I mean, that's why I continue to do what I'm doing. I believe in, in, in a better world. I believe in our life ways. I have faith in them. I've seen them happen. I've seen the rain come when we ask for it. Those things were left behind for us to to see. And uh, if you didn't know the language, you didn't know what you were what you were you're looking at. If you didn't know the ways, you didn't know what you had. We had sixteen of our our dear songs that were recorded and left behind. Uh, our language was recorded in 1886. And uh, there's a lot of research that I've done over the last 40 years, and uh, just on the tribe itself and. And, and I, and at this point, a lot of the elders don't feel like we need to get the recognition from this government to be who we are. Some of them say we don't need a white man to tell us who we are, and that's exactly what they've been doing for a long time when they had all the mascot issues. So when you know the teachings and you know your ways, you know that you have a value system, and it's not based on ideals of of a country of generic makeup. And many of us still call the United States uh, the United States of generica because uh, everybody's a little confused. And, you know, the bad thing about it is they become, they absolve themselves from that com- confusion. They absolve themselves from any wrongdoing in the future. The insurance companies insure them. Only if it's not a God, an act of God. And I don't know. And I that's what drives me up to all. They talk about a God, but then they use God to absolve themselves from any wrongdoing, like what's happening with the, what happened with BBP and the uh, ongoing um, fire that's out in the Gulf of Mexico. It was a hurricane that tore, tore it down, so they said. And now they, they got a fire going on for 14 years out there. And what do they say? As well, it was an act of God. We're not responsible to clean it up. So who's going to clean up the mess? You know. And now they're proposing to do the same thing to Mars. You know, in the universe. You know, get out there. The space around us already has enough garbage that they've created. Uh, it wasn't enough to pollute our beaches with their plastics. Now they're polluting the space with you know debris up there, and. Um, I think it's, it's it's high time that we start recognizing what is sacred in our lives. If money is what what they trust in, then let everybody know that you know money is their god. <laughs> For us, we hold the land sacred, and because our people are buried there, our people come from there. Our creation story starts at Boca Chica, the mouth of the river, and we talk about how 
the creator when they came they went up the river and and uh started creating all these all these these things the plants the animals and then coming back down the Rio Grande from the, from the mountains started gathering all the, the nice things of each one of the animals and they put them in their hand and um when they came at the end, they took sand and they took some of the ocean and they clapped it together and they created first woman. And, um, and that's because, you know, they, they were feeling, you know, lonely by themselves here. And so they created first woman and then creator left to finish the universe and uh, still working on finishing the universe. And so it'll be a, a while before Creator, they come back over here. These are these are things that are important to us to understand how we are connected to each of the things that have been created to that first woman, and then what was left over. Creator took all of that and made first man. <laughs> so that's uh, the way we. I was told the story. Just, I thought it was funny. But it gave us a, a, a better understanding of where we come from, that we honor our mothers. We honor the women, and um, we follow the mothers' clans. And that was, that was important. That makes a, a big part of what my, my prime directives are that I live by, by my grandmother always telling me, know who your people are. You don't want to marry your cousin, you know. Or um, my grandfather saying, go find our lands, get our lands back. But he never told me that 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 uh, there was this huge land base that existed. I found I found the deeds to some of the land that was given to the Mancias family. And it's uh, a lot of credit goes to you know my own family members and, and relatives like Arturo Mancias and a lot of the Mancias that still live in South Texas. Uh, I was a first generation born away from the Rio Grande, but I was not left without an, without an understanding and a connection to the land that was there. I mean, because the land ran all the way up into the canyons, Palo Duro and all the way up into Carrizo Canyon. My grandfather was, he made what, he came from the line of cowboys working the Longhorns. My dad did too. And um, my mom was, she was actually the middle child of 13 kids and they were good people they were always giving i'm not saying that they were great but they were good none of us are that great but they were good people and that's part of the land that exists now it's bad it's really bad that we we had to um criminalize you know anything that happens because we don't see um, or accept the invading religions that came in here. And um, they call themselves missionaries. and But they don't know exactly what those missionaries do to us when they come in. And I think for a long time that was the, a lot of the problems that we have had have been side effects or byproducts of, of, of a society that doesn't care what really happens to us. And they and they absolve themselves from that. That's the whole thing. There's a self-absolution. They, they forgive themselves for any wrongdoing that they've done. You know, that's um, 
one of the things that, that I write about, I've got two small books that I've published and, and one of them's called, so your grandma's an Indian and you don't like controversy. <laughs> and, um, the other one's called just the sounds of oppression. And I think that if you listen very carefully to the laws that are being made, like the no protest law that was passed in Texas, you can hear the sounds of oppression. You can hear where it's all about, you know, their God, the money and, um, how everything is now you have, you know, you have to pay for air, you have to pay for water, you have to pay for land. That wasn't, uh, the way here, you know, you shared the land, you, you uh, shared the water, you kept the water clean. You knew where the, the, the clean water, the spring waters were at and, and you shared them. And of course the air was always clean. One of the things I tell people is that they have to recognize the fact that they are, you know, 70% water. All of us are. And when we cross over, you know, go back to the stars, we say that, uh, that water becomes part of this environment and our bodies, they wither and they decay and become part of the land. So the last breath you take, you know, is put out into the atmosphere. So when we breathe and, and when we, we breathe, we're breathing our ancestors. When we drink the water or bathe in that water, we're bathing in our ancestors. And uh, when we partake from food that is growing in the, in, in the land, we're being nourished by our, by our ancestors. And that's the connection that we have, is understanding that connectedness and the relationship that we have with, not just with each of these animals, with each of these plants, but also with, you know, um, the land itself, the earth itself. And that's why we all call it Mother Earth, you know, or Grandmother Earth. It's a um, distinct connection that we never lose from because we we accept the fact that we're part of it. And that's what I, why we always say, uh, it's not that we own the land, it's that the land owns us. It's that the, uh, the water that, that we're polluting and using to pollute the land with um, the fracking that goes on. I mean, that was predicted 4,000 years ago. There's a picture of it at um, the paintings down in Seminole Canyon. But again, they've romanticized that whole concept because they don't, they don't think any further than, the, than their nose. They don't see any further than that. They see that there is a, a, dollar, a dollar sign and that's all that exists. Because even time now is being sold. Have you ever used the term, um, hey, time is money, time is money? You know, uh, that's uh, another one. Uh, I, it's just... You know, it it sounds very it's it's very it's a very serious situation that we're in. When people want to um, say that things like plastics, when a country says, like Saudi Arabia says, uh, plastics is um, is necessary, we need it to survive. But five hundred and thirty years ago, when they landed on these lands, there was no plastic. <laughs> So I, I don't know. I mean, we, we've, we've learned to survive. And they, the creator, gave us, gave us a science that was very simple to, to, 
to to balance out who we were, but we've taken that 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 science and, and created created a monstrosity in in this in these industries and um, Texas LNG and Rio Grande LNG is exactly what they're they're doing right now by even digging digging up our graves. That's the other prime directive. I have three prime directives that I live by. The other one was from a, an interview that was done with one of my great, great, great relatives, great, great, great grandfather. His name was Manuel Cavazos. They're trying to build a railroad back in 1871. And they went looking for the Carrizos because they found this massive gravesite in Devil's River in Val Verde County. And there it, it says, he asked the, uh, I guess it's a, Corps of Engineer Captain, his name was Hawkins. He asks, asks him, he says, um, so what are you going to do with my people? And the guy said, well, we're going to have to move them because we got to build a railroad through here. And he very seriously looks at him and says, now my people will die by another. So every time you're digging up one of our people again, you're killing us again. That's the genocide that is ongoing. And that's what exactly is happening at, at uh, places like with the Texas LNG and the Rio Grande LNG, where they both have bought into the um, into the Garcia Pasture, which is the monument that we put, the World Monument uh, Foundation is, uh, is is watching and trying to stop this madness of of, of this uh, exporting all these resources out because. Um, Total out of France is also wants to get um, part of this LNG for for France, and France has a strict uh, no fracking and uh, no fossil fuels policy. You, you'll see it during the Olympics because it's going to be they're working at it, trying to make it plastic free. The first Olympics to be plastic free, hmm. and I think that because of some of our efforts and and the World Monument Fund, and um, some of the other groups that have been involved with us in trying to fight this, it's making a, a big, 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 um, you know, dent in what goes on over there. So if the United States can go there representing itself plastic-free, that would be great. You know, but uh, I doubt it. that's going to happen. So like I mentioned before, here's the second break. And then Chairman Mencius will be continuing on with what he was saying. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. And jumping right back into uh, where Chairman Mencius left off. 
the Garcia Pastures 32 village site that was surveyed back back in the 20s, 1920s, by some guy named Anderson, T.S. Anderson. And he was looting the place and selling a lot of the artifacts to to museums. So a lot of the museums have some of our artifacts and we'd like them back. The Whitney Museum at one time uh, said, had like 120 of our infant remains and um, they were babies. They were wrapped in rabbit fur blankets and, and uh, they were selling them on eBay at one time. And uh, which to me was the other reason that I, I just, I just, I saw that there was no humanity in this science and there was no humanity about giving life to the people and they were still practicing, you know, the whole doctrine of discovery. So it, it, it hurts me to know that these things happen. I, I was taught that, you know, the battlegrounds have changed. There's no longer, you know, the bullets and the guns and the bows and arrows are, in, but the battlegrounds have changed to be the court courtrooms, not just in this country, but worldwide. And uh, to take these um, invading countries that came into our lands and hold them accountable for what they've done. And and hopefully those countries will hold this country accountable for what it continues to do. The genocide that it's, it's uh, doing, the tribal erasure, the uh, cultural erasure. I saw some guy the other day had a T-shirt that said that the cancel culture uh, stole this country. I'm going like, oh my God, I can't believe these people. But the thing is that it goes further than that. It's, it's the, they in their mind think they own stuff and they don't own it. We're only part of it, part of this creation, and we have to learn to be a part of it. The creator, they, they made sure that we understood that. At least that, that teaching was given to us. I don't know where their teaching went that they don't recall that anymore, but it's all about, you know, divide and conquer kind of mentality they have is a, um, there's a, there's power in, in, in killing people. And I don't see that. <laughs> and especially the way that they do things and the way they want to continue uh, seeing these things. But there's a lot of history involved here. And um, the uh, peyote grounds are, are a big part of where we lived on both sides of that river. The, and there's been a constant of take, 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 and not putting anything back. But the creator put those, that medicine in that place, you know, and, and that's where the creator put it. And that's why that, that medicine has the strength that it has for a lot of us, especially our people. And I think that a lot of our own uh, people have don't understand just, you know, the basic sciences of, of, of the creation and how it happened. There's a, a book out this called, called uh, Destroying Dogma. That was a lot of excerpts after Brian DeLoya passed away. A lot of his excerpts were put into that book, but it's called Destroying Dogma. And one of the biggest things that he would talk about was that he would talk about why wasn't our creation story important, only the one that was written in the Bible? 
And, and basically, it's, again, is that we were not considered to be human beings, even though we told them over and over. I mean, there's, I mean, even the word humanos down here means humans in Spanish. They, that didn't even dawn on them. They just called them humanos. And, uh, and it just became a, a name of a, of a group of natives that were there, but it was us. We're the Estogna. That's what Estogna means. means uh, a human being. And we've got to say, and if you put Somisek onto it, the human beings of this area, this, of this land of Texas, that's what we call Texas now. But we didn't have words for prayer. We had to put several words together to say prayer. So, you know, we say, Chapepolam, uh, which means that I'm throwing my voice out, and because uh, that's part of singing. And it's also, you know, we say, Chapmawayo, I'm singing the voice. And Yenyepes, uh, which means. You know, look into my look into my wishes, into my desires, what I'm looking at. So it was, it was a it was a connection to to that inner person of understanding our presence on this earth and our responsibility to it. And we only took what we had. Now, we were very we were migratory people. We went up and down the river, so you'll find villages all along the river, and that's becoming very evident now because of our relationship with the uh, Customs and Border Patrol people and what they're trying to to do and trying to build this nuisance that they call a border wall. And it's not even at the border because the border is right in the middle of the river. And, of course, uh, here's how, how smart their science is, that that river meanders and it moves and it leaves Oxbow Lakes. That That boundary changes all the time. And I think that that's why we um, want to make sure that people understand that there was a simple science here involved in what was going on because we understood and we had that relationship with the environment. And uh, the first thing it was to get rid of us, then they could get into they could get to the environment. The first um, one of the first explorations into Texas was by one of the explorers called Chamuscado. He came in and um, Ran into uh, Juan Savieta and to Quisbenive. Quisbenive comes from our language, which means red elk. The, his, the clans that he had were at Pe- Pecos Pueblo, which is um, the, on this side of the the Sangre Cristo Mountains. That's why, you know, we have a word for elk and we have a word for all this. And, but Quis means red in our language. And Beniva means elk, and and that tells you that where we were at, where we lived, and and they let this guy Chamuscado through a a wild goose chase through the mountains of the Davis and the Delaware, because they didn't want to show him where all the easy pass was and where all the water was. So it took him almost uh, almost a year to get back to to Mexico but by then by then he had taken over he had already killed like over 3,400 buffalo and taken as much of the freshwater pearls that he could find 
I mean, they they even say in the in the research that they were the pearls were freshwater pearls and the quality was not at the best, but it was still a pearl. And you're going like, wow, these guys are something else. And they'll find any way to to degrade the population, to degrade the the teachings of the land. And I think that that still continues today by these guys going around digging up paint rock and having a so-called native people going in there and, and pretending that they know what they're talking about. And they don't. And the thing is that if they had any connection to those relatives, they'd leave them alone. But again, uh, you know, and it's not a superstitious thing. It's a, it's just a question of our people need to rest in peace as well. Just like Davy Crockett does and Pancho Villa does and all those guys. So, but they're, they don't care about, they just dig us on up, build a pipeline right through it. Any, have I let anything out yet? That <laughs> <laughs> was said quite a bit there. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we just recorded pretty much the whole episode. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to make sure we get to? Like anything maybe specific about Garcia Pasture? Like if there's any like background that you want to give so our listeners will will understand all of that situation better? Well, I I think that what we need to to do is, and I've been saying this for a couple of years now, we uh, have to really go after some of the local governments and for their lack of um, business knowledge and, and, of course, scientific data that's been offered to them. I think one time they were talking about the FERC was was talking about how um, how much pollutants and particulates were going to go into the air from just one project. They weren't looking at – at that time there were three projects – and so, but they're still not, they're, I think they're only looking at one project at a time and they're saying, well, they're, 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 they qualify under the EPA, but when you take both of those projects together, it's out of whack. And I mean, they're putting a lot of pollutants into the air. There's a, a high threat of them exploding because of SpaceX being there and what happened with this last rocket. And of course, you know, to, to get their, their monies, they weren't honest with their proposal and said that the blast zone would only be like three miles and it ended up being like six or seven, eight miles. And, uh, and it was, it was a lot of damage to, and right after that, there was a tornado <laughs> on top of that. And a couple of children died and, and one, one, one uh, gentleman. And then there were, there, there were kids that were lost for a while. They didn't know where they were because the tornado took them off. Or they couldn't find them in the rubbish. But nobody talks about these things. And that tornado was only about two to to three miles away from Garcia Pasture. So the ancestors themselves are really speaking out and and showing that they're they're not happy with what's going on down there. But, you know, of course, their God is more important than human life. So they're ready to continue sacrificing human people to get whatever they need to gentrify the human being. They call, they call it gentrification or urbanization, whatever you want to call it, but it's actually gentrifying the humans 
in, in those areas because the mom and pops restaurants that are so important in, in that area that it, because it's a tourist area are going to lose a lot of, a lot of funding. I think that the people that are making these decisions economically are market market wise. They're, they're being handed a, a dangling carrot and everybody's trying to get, take a bite out of the carrot and they're going to find out that the carrot's made out of plastic because it's nothing but lies anyway, coming from, from SpaceX and from the, you know, from next decade and the, the group of investors for Texas LNG. Uh, these guys, um, they, they're using marketing like uh, it's important. When even some of the so-called um, environmentalist groups in the state uh, are saying that they um, support carbon capturing sequestration, and in the, in the long run, they're they, they they don't even know if it's proven. They only every every time they've had a carbon sequestration plant, it's blown up somehow. Some some has happened to it, and and they want to set another one up that's going to be huge, one of the biggest ones in the world, down in in uh, with the Rio Grande. You know, LNG, and that's how they sold this whole project to the administration because they thought that this was going to cut down on pollutants. But they're taking, I don't know, it's a, like 16 tons of of uh, gigatons, let me say, gigatons of of uh, carbon dioxide out of the air, putting it into the ground. But the ratio is not consistent with what is being put out of CO2 by the rest of the population and also by the fracking that's going on right now because we have so many fracking flares in the Permian Basin. And now the Eagle Ford shell has started back up, you know, fracking again. With all that pollution going into the air, uh, 16 megatons compared to 600, I don't think that's a conducive ratio to, to make a decision to let them have, you know, that. I think what they need to do is just stop um, the stop from having human beings be collateral damage, and let's let the uh, the industry be the collateral damage. Let they need to shut down. They need to stop them, and that's why in Texas they they're just doing away with any kind of history that 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 holds them accountable for their stupidity and for their ignorance and for their genocide, and. Um, they, they just want to maintain a, a very ignorant society in Texas that has no responsibility, has no accountability to their actions. And as long as the, the history is told by them who write the laws, again, we don't have any representation because uh, Texas that I know of has no natives on, in their Congress. So if somebody is interested in supporting, you know, all of the efforts that you mentioned, is there a place for them to go in order to do that? You can go to our website. Uh, it's it's uh, nation.com because it looks like it'll say like don't when you look at it, you think it's saying donation, but it's carrizocomecrudonation.com and there's a where you can put money there for uh, to if you want to help us out what we're doing is I just bought another 
I just closed out on a, on a deal for the tribe on on some five point five acres in Cameron County. That's that's now we have eleven acres there. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to block them from bringing in the Rio Bravo pipeline, which is Enbridge sponsored. So if we can get enough land along that side, with it's a sacred site. Loma Alta is there. There was an archaeological site there. They had found some some burials in that area, and they've been maintained and protected. One of them became a uh, is a private uh, wildlife refuge. And we're just down the street from it. We acquired the land, and that land's going to be either become a spiritual center or an information center of some kind where we're able to maintain some kind of agricultural. And we're trying to buy more of the land down there so that we can continue to stop this block, to, to block this pipeline from coming through. It'll, it'll take a, a while for them to deal with us, even though they, they, they do believe in horizontal fracking, but we ain't moving <laughs> because it's our land. It'll be actually quote unquote, our lands, the colonized way. Cause we'll own them. There's another, I think 13 acres that being offered right now for like $47,000. And I, I sure would love to, to get the, that land. Cause it's those lands are right on the path of the, of the, of the pipeline. There's another pipeline that came through there that we were the only ones fighting at the time. Nobody was listening to us. Nobody listens to what's going on in Texas because according to everybody, well, you're not federally recognized kind of attitude, which is a, a very colonized settler mentality. And I guess if we're going to be the, the wild Indians, we might as well be the wild Indians, you know, and maintain our, our sovereignty by holding on to and fighting them on their courts and, and, and whatever it takes to, to keep them from destroying our sacred sites. And, uh, and we're going to protect our ancestors uh, as well. And that's what we're, we're, we're doing right now. But be nice to be able to buy some, all, as much of that land there as possible and turn it into the first Native American or first uh, Native original people's University in Texas. Mm. That would freak out at every Texan. <laughs> wow. Okay. So we will we'll put a link to that donate page in the show notes. Um, so anyone that's interested in donating and supporting that effort to purchase land and, and fight oil and gas development on sacred lands, you can go there and make your donation and we'll have some other links in there as well. But yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for, for taking so much time out to talk to me about these important topics and all of the, the important efforts that you guys are, are working on to protect, you know, this land. So thank well, you. Well, I just want to, I just want to give a shout out to, you know, to the world monument fund foundation and, and also to Ann Cuss and the Magnum foundation for helping us out in every way they possibly can, because I mean, it's important. It's, it's made a, it's made a big statement about how we care for our lands and our ancestors here. So I, I do appreciate that. Now we can just uh, sell it to the uh, non, non-business non people that are not politicians of the area. We'll be fine. So I think that's my other ways just to kind of make them realize how bad of a, ba- a bad venture this is to build those, those places there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Heritage Voices podcast. You can find show notes at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com slash heritagevoices. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Play Music Store. Also, please share with your friends or write us a review. Sharing and reviewing helps more people find the show and gets the perspectives of Heritage Voices' amazing guests out there into the world. Don't we just need more of that in anthropology and land management? If you have any more questions, comments, or show suggestions, please reach out to me at jessica at livingheritageanthropology.org If you'd like to volunteer to be on the show as a guest or even a co-host, reach out to me as well, Jessica at livingheritageanthropology.org You can also follow more of what I'm doing on Facebook at Living Heritage Anthropology and the nonprofit Living Heritage Research Council or on Twitter at Living Heritage A. As always, huge thank you to Lyle Belenqua and Jason Nez for their collaboration on our incredible logo. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.